Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Ah, that's the best I can do for now. That is like, oh boy. So, at uh, this uh, New City Catechism, this has been some good stuff. <laughs> been a lot of good stuff involved in it. Uh, looking through these lessons and diving into things and digging stuff up and um, find myself, I start going a little too far. You got to be reined back in a little bit, but um, really good lessons. So uh, right now we're going to look at the lesson eight recap. We're on lesson nine right now, or question nine. So, but uh, our recap for lesson eight, uh, question eight is, what is the law of God stated in the Ten Commandments? And the answer is, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. Then memory verse Exodus 23, uh, 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, now, we know that laws are important and they're necessary. You know, it's necessary for societies of all kinds to be able to function in a safe and orderly manner when it comes right down to it. Uh, because without laws, you know, people are dumb enough that pretty soon you can run out of people because of dumb stuff and it just gets worse. But they're necessary for societies of any type to function in a safe and orderly manner. And we did see, reading through some of those goofy laws, we saw that the laws and rules of men are often made and changed to fit the local or regional preferences. And these things often become outdated. You know, they're um, outdated and senseless, kind of like, uh, you know, you can't sell a child under 12 to the circus. Yeah, <laughs> those kind of things. Uh, so, big... <laughs> Yeah, but they get changed or they get eliminated as the social mores or social tendencies change. Um, you know, but what we what we did learn in that lesson is that these laws of God, as they're given in the Ten Commandments, they're not subject to the whims of man, mankind. Uh, they're not subject to social whims. God says, "This is it." You know, that's. It's not going to change. People can ignore it. They can try and eliminate it. They can twist it. They can add stuff. They can take stuff away. But it doesn't change from what God initially told us. And those those Ten Commandments, um, they're given to show us, us as His people, what our relationship with God and what our relationship with our neighbors should be. So this moral law of God, it helps us to understand our responsibility toward God and toward our neighbors. 
as well as towards, you know, we can look at the neighbors all over. We need to look at the people that we go to church with more as family, our brothers and sisters, and not just neighbors. And that applies that much more to them, but it's still given equally. So what we see is uh, we see that this is relevant to us now. These laws of God are relevant to us now, even though they were given thousands of years ago. Now, the Ten Commandments show us the mind of God. They teach us about right and wrong, and they help us to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And so we need to really strive to live, live by those things. And that one of the other things we saw is that his commands are not restrictive, but they are liberating. Because if we're not violating God's laws, we got nothing to worry about. So we're not waiting for the hammer to fall, so to speak. So then we're not we're able to function completely and fully as God would have us to. So that we don't have anything uh again hanging over us. Uh well so gonna get into this introduction to question nine. It says question eight provided an overview of the Ten Commandments as a whole. We saw the we saw the whole of it. Um and what you know the reasons for it. But beginning here in question nine, we're going to take a more in-depth look at some of the individual uh, commandments. And these lessons should help us to better understand the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with his people and to recognize the kind of worship that God demands from us. Because he does demand a certain type and certain level of worship from us. And these commandments were originally given to his chosen people, the Israelites, but by extinction, or extinction, <laughs> by extension, um, they're passed on to us also as adopted children of God. What came to mind in, the, in this study and the things that are going on with it is that in the society we live in today, there's a lot of different factions out there they believe and they're doing everything in their power to convince others that there is no absolute truth. There's a lot of a lot of things going on out there. It says truth is whatever I think it is or whatever I deem it to be. Uh, but that's not right. But there's no absolute truth. And so what we end up with as a result of that is if there's no absolute truth, there's no absolute God that we have to answer to. You know, we don't have an absolute preeminent God Almighty um, there. And if there's if there's no God Almighty, because there's no absolute truth, God doesn't ha then God doesn't have any right to demand anything of us from anyone. And so in that case, they're saying, well, the Ten Commandments are irrelevant because there's no absolute truth. There's no absolute God. It's just empty words. Absolutely wrong. But that's what it comes down to, is if we have the faith to believe body, soul, and mind, like we need, we're supposed to anyway, that God is absolute truth, and His Word can be absolutely trusted and relied upon, and we can understand and we can believe His uh, commandments, and we are going to desire to live by them. And we are going to help... Uh, others to understand what these commandments are and why 
Um, you know, so the other side of that, though, is if we're not desiring to live by those things, if we choose to Ill we choose to ignore or actually willing, willingly and willfully violate the laws of God, and we open ourselves up to worshiping other gods. Most typically, number one of those other gods is self. <laughs> Take a good look at yourself. Do you really think you want to be running the world? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like, wait a minute. But no, we, op we do open ourselves up to worshiping other gods. We take other things in to fill the void that we push God out of. But when we, cr when we create these false gods and we set them up, then we become subject to these gods and the punishments and the destructiveness that comes along with them. Because we've seen all too often when God gets pushed out of the way, Stuff happens. You know, bad stuff happens. Um, <laughs> back into the beginning with the Israelites, God's chosen people. Look at all the stuff that happened to them because they kept shaking their fist at God and saying, no, we're doing it our way. Even though God says, follow these directions and you're good. You know? So, keep God first. Always, in all things. We blow it. All of us do. Sooner or later, we're going to step in and say, hold on, God. I got this. And I want to do it my way. And he's going to say, go for it. See what that gets you. Oh, God, you were right. I should have done it your way to start with. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I still do that a lot. And, it, you know, when it's all said and done, i got to slap myself and say, you know better. But we're still flesh. Not an excuse. But God has the grace to say, all right, do what you need to do. Make it right. God, I'm sorry. Take me back in. You know, wrap your arms around me. Make it right. Done. You know, God is good about that. There might still be consequences. Well, there will be consequences for our stupidities. But God still says, I've got you. So we need to pay attention to the commands of God. Follow the commands of God as best we can so that we're not putting other things, other people uh, in his place. So that brings us up to this week's actual question and answer. And these are some things that these what God wants us to know. So question nine is what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? And the answer is first, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid idolatry and do not worship God improperly. And third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring his his words and works. And I blew that one. But we'll do that one more time. What does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? Answer is first, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid idolatry and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, 
honoring also his word and works. So our memory verse here for this morning is Deuteronomy 6, 13 and 14. It says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him shall ye serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. We can find ourselves chasing after the gods of the people that are around us. You know, and so we need to be on guard. That's why <laughs> it's not part of the lesson, but that's why we put on the full armor of God so that we have it. Because it's a fight, it's a battle. But we've got uh we've got one going before us who handles all of that. So in keeping with these things and the lessons that are given in history, you know, we need to understand it. Unfortunately, mankind has and always has had a destructive habit of creating and worshiping other gods and serving them. Always. Now, um, some of these false gods, you know, we're easy to point out, and, you know, sometimes we're just quick to do so. Um, but when you consider that anything that becomes preeminent in your life over and above God, um, that routinely takes the majority of your time, your effort, and energy, that that thing can become your God, even though it might seem like a good thing uh, sometimes, but that can become your God. And it can quickly push aside and separate you from the one true God. So we need to be careful of that. I mean, it doesn't take much just because we're people and we're kind of foolish. This way, how about this way? How about this way? You know, oh yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, we're going to get to that real quick. <laughs> you know, because uh, there's just so much there. But we need to, it takes work to keep God first does because if we just start relying on ourselves which we can be real quick to do pretty soon we're ignoring God more than we should be which is we shouldn't be at all so we're going to read Exodus 20 verses 1 through 7 these are the commandments as given and this is from the King James so <coughs> excuse me Okay, Exodus chapter 20. And God spake all these <coughs> and God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have, have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that it is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, 
and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Number three, it says, that Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now the Israelites had, at this point, they had seen and experienced the saving power of God. They have seen some <laughs> just wondrous things that he did to bring them out of Egypt. They also knew that they had been chosen, called, and loved by God from way back, you know, uh, many centuries uh, prior to this point. But they knew that they'd been chosen, called, and loved by God. They'd seen his power and knew he was real, and they had every reason to trust him. So it should be simple for him to pay attention and follow these things. But it says, yet because God knows that what man is typically going to do, which is the opposite thing that God usually says to do, it was necessary that the very first commandment was a stern warning from God. You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I mean, that's pretty cut and dried. So those eight words, they, dis they demand an exclusive uh, covenant relationship between God and his people, and that includes us. Now, God gave this commandment as a message to every person individually when he said, you, and all of those, you shall have no other gods. Um, you shall not, you shall not, you know, gives that an individual responsibility for uh, for following that. So, read through some of the study, I was kind of surprised to find out the, the term before me. You know, thou shall have no other gods before me. I didn't realize there was a lot of controversy behind that, what it actually meant and stuff. And it's like, how could you mess that up? <laughs> but, um, Yeah, just the debate. I was kind of flabbergasted by it. But it, to break it down, it says it could be read uh, instead of me or to say more important than me or in addition to me. You know, so God first. Um, so all three of those general ideas fit right there in that position. Um, I guess people just need something to argue about. You know, the Creator God longs for His people to know, love, and worship Him alone. And that's what He keeps calling for. Serve the Lord your God. Believe in God. Have faith in God. Do what God's telling you to do. Serve God. Serve others. Love God. Um, I think the Creator of the universe has every right to demand these things of us. <laughs> you know, because without Him, where would we be? We wouldn't have a, we wouldn't be here, you know. We wouldn't have a clue, but there's some of them out there probably think we'd still be amoebas or something like that, I, you know. But that's weird. The Creator God longs for His people to know, love, and worship Him alone, but He's not going to tolerate His people worshiping anyone or anything else except Him. Oh man, so there comes into the question, you know. Uh, what are some false gods that are or things that are close to being 
uh, false gods that are prevalent today. You mentioned. Yeah, money, family. What's that? Politicians. Yeah, entertainers. Uh, you get just so many things. Um, that shiny new hundred thousand dollar vehicle that's sitting out in your driveway that you spend hours a week polishing and things like that. You know, um, the house that's bigger and better than the one next door, having more stuff than the other guys. Essentially. Anything that you serve and that you put your being into trying to obtain or draw closer to or become uh, closer with, those things can become a God to you instantly. Um, so that's why God first. God first and always. God in the beginning, God in the end, God in all that time in the middle too is where he needs to be. But our God is a jealous God. He is. He flat says so. And more in one place. He says, I'm a jealous God. You shall have no gods before me. Make me first. So he wants to be number one in the lives of his people. That's us. So is God number one in our lives? You know, each and, all, each and every one of us has to answer that ourselves. We should be able to come up with a yes, and most likely it's going to be a yes, but, <laughs> because, uh, you know, things, things get in the way. But God should be first. He does not tolerate being relegated to second place. He doesn't like being ignored, and one that wasn't necessarily mentioned in the, in the study. But he doesn't like being treated with apathy or disdain. And there's a whole lot of that going on in the world right now. You know, eh, who's God? You know, uh, that guy. Yeah, you know, uh, the time when everybody answers for that stuff is coming. So the first commandment that we read uh, is about who we worship. And the second commandment is about how we worship. You know, because God gives specifics. He doesn't want people to worship any pictures, statues, or other types of images of him. You know, because face facts, we have no idea what God looks like. And the folks uh, who attempt to make an image of him, what they're typically doing, they're only going by their imagination. That's all they got to go by. And they're always going to show him through that in a way that they want him to see that they want him to be or how he want him to be seen God says I don't need that what a, a good example of that look at all the different interpretations of Christ that you see all around the world you know um, just the face of Christ uh, you know I, <laughs> I remember one one picture I saw once upon a time that's stuck in my mind. It's a woman that they put a beard on. This is Jesus. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's just wrong. You know, um, the Bible tells us that he wasn't comely to look at. He was pretty much a plain guy, you know, the, the average carpenter, you know, Jewish carpenter that you might expect to see. 
you know, kind of probably kind of rough and things like that. But it wasn't, he's not there for the outside appearance. He's looking there for the heart. He doesn't want people hung up on what he looks like physically, but what he looks like spiritually and what he looks like in the lives of each of us. So, worshiping these false idols, uh, the statues, I mean, you can think of various uh, various religions of all types. Man, they got statues everywhere, you know, and are some of the weirdest looking stuff in the world. But worship must be toward the God of the Bible. And it's certainly not to some of these uh, <laughs> patched together, made up creatures that we see, you know, like look what the Egyptians had, uh, the Babylonians and things like that, animal heads and so on and so forth. Worship must be toward the God of the Bible, not some human or humanized interpretation of God. You know, hey, I'm mad at God because God's not doing this stuff the way I think he should. You know, it's like we're making, we're bringing God down to our level when we do that. And so it's like, don't be that way. You know, but God has revealed himself to mankind in his word. And he wants us to know him by his word. This is the God we need to know, is the one that he's revealed to us through his word. Um, not something fantasized, made up, whatever. But, you know, look at all the names of God, the attributes of God, um, the things of God that, that, you know, God works in the, in the word that shows us who he is. He shows us the mind of God, shows us what he wants from us. You know, those are, those are things that we need to be paying attention to. That's how God wants to be worshipped is through his word based upon his word. You know, we have interpretations of the Bible. Absolutely. You know, that's part of the reason I'm standing up here right now saying these are some things that could, you know, God's showing us through the, through the word that wants us to know. Um, but no false gods. Worship the God of the Bible. God the Father, creator and sustainer. You know, so that's why the teaching of these foundational commands and truths of God that we're going through this year, uh, they can be so relevant because... You know, sometimes we've been saved for a while or whatever, and we're going through time, and we kind of, our view gets skewed. You know, somebody's warped the mirror just a little bit. Um, but this brings us back to, okay, back to the beginning. Here's where we start over again. And it'd probably be a good idea to s do something like this every few years, um, just to refresh and revitalize where we're at, especially we kind of, well, as we get older, you know, the brain cells aren't always functioning quite like they should be. I wouldn't mention anybody in particular, but, you know, it's like, but, uh, yeah, it's relevant. And it, these foundational truths, the commands of God, uh, not just the, uh, n not just the Ten Commandments, but all these commands of God that he's given us to live by. You know, we need to consider that uh, essential to our understanding of Him and our life with Him.
So we'll get to the third commandment. And this th third commandment teaches us that God is concerned about his name. He's concerned to protect his name um, and his reputation. He takes it very seriously when his name is misused. You know, and that's why we've got to kind of be careful about some of this. Um, most often the concept of using his name in vain is taught to mean no swearing or cursing. But that's only a little piece of it. And I got to study in this, and it's the primary connotation of Exodus 27 is against using his name in an empty, worthless, disparaging, or false manner. So that vain doesn't just mean empty. It doesn't just, uh, it's not just relevant to, you know, cussing and that kind of thing. But this can also mean using his name in a way that insults him or insults his reputation. And there's a lot of that that goes on. But it says, you know, God's giving this as a warning to his people. And that there are consequences for using his name uh, badly or poorly. You know, he says, uh, you know, pull that back up. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. There's a lot out there that do that. You know, they got big flashy shiny churches. But they're not using God's name in an appropriate way. They're not using uh, the person of God as he should be. Or, you know, keeping him first. Don't use his name in an empty fashion. You know, don't spew it out there uh, worthlessly or in an empty manner. Some, if you tell somebody to say, God bless you, mean it. You know, don't just, it's not just words, but there should be value in those words. Oh, yeah. Yep. Exactly right. i tell you what, because I'm going to have you say that again, because I don't think anybody on the live stream heard you. Oh, well, what I was saying was, uh, was, uh, us using, not using the Lord's name with the gravity that it, that it inspires, mm -hmm. just because of the fact that. One of the most awe-inspiring, neatest things you can see is God proving who he is. Amen. But also one of the most terrifying and fearful things that could happen is God showing us who he is. Exactly right. Thank you. Yeah, and the Israelites, they saw all of that. They did. They saw all of that. When <laughs> yeah, they got a real first-hand look at it. Uh, God cleaned up, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to, uh, closing up, we're going to recap uh, today's question again. So question nine, what does God require in the first, second, and third commandments? And the answer is, first, that we know and trust God as the only true and living God. Second, that we avoid idolatry. 
and do not worship God improperly. Third, that we treat God's name with fear and reverence, honoring also his words and works. And in our memory verse, Deuteronomy 6, 13, 14, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him shall you serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. It, that still applies today. It applies to us. So God made a covenant with Israel and promised great blessings to the Israelites if they upheld the law. And as Christians, we should understand that we have, we also have a covenant with God. And that covenant includes us having no other gods before him. That covenant includes us not making or bow, bowing down to false gods um, instead of him. And it also comes down to us treating and displaying his name in a manner that is honoring and glorifying to him. You know, these are important things. It is kind of a scary thing when you look right here at this point in time where God has given the law. The Israelites could hear it, and they feared what God had to say. You know, they feared God. Um, and I think, I was thinking about this, um, so why would God want these people to hear from him? So, and it came down to the fact that God wants his people, all of them, to hear what he had, what the law that he was passing on to Moses. So that they couldn't say, ah, oh, these are just the words of Moses. But God said, these are my words. Hear what I've got to say. And what did they say? We're scared. We're going to go way over there and wait. <laughs> and then in the meantime, what do they do? They build a, f yeah, they build a false god. And said, take us back to Egypt. And God says, uh-uh. He opened up the earth. <laughs> and people started disappearing. And Moses said, please wait. Spare your people. And God said, okay. But he showed up front just how important it is to him that his people listen to him. They have no other gods before him. Because God showed his mind. They sh he showed the very fact that he's serious when he did that because of what they did. And I hope that the earth never opens up and swallows me, but sometimes I think I've been close. You know, but God is, we serve a great God. We serve a gracious and loving God. And there's really no reason that we shouldn't have him preeminent in our lives and all things that we do. So before I close, I got just something for us to reflect on. Um, think about it. Ponder it. So how do you worship in your daily lives? Does anything need to be changed so that you're worshiping God more appropriately to what he would have us to do? Uh, so does anything need to be changed? And here's the hardest question. Um, does your life reflect what or who you really worship? You know, does our does our life reflect that? And if not, or even if it it does, does anything need to change? To maybe we can do it better. And I'll close with that. So, Heavenly Father, we just give thanks for this 
lesson, Lord, and help us to be cognizant of who you are, and, uh, how worthy you are in you alone of our worship, Lord. But help us examine ourselves and see to it that we do things in the manner that you would have us to do um, and not just as we think is okay. Uh, but help us to be the people that we should be and help show others uh, your way, who you are, and just how great you are. But I ask that you bless the, the rest of the day, the teachings of the day, Lord, those that are here, those that are on their way. 